big boobs, little boobs, curvy, petite, introvert, extrovert, loud, quiet. You, my friend, perfect, exactly the way you are right now. I'm Steph, your host, the big boobed introvert CEO of Confetti Curves, and I'm going to remind you that confidence comes from loving all that you are right now. Shall we get started? Hello and welcome to Confident in Your Curves L. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being a part of episode number one. Um, so tell me, Elle, what do you love most about yourself right now? Um, so right now, I would have to say, even though they're very conflicted feelings, um, the scars where I've had my nipples removed, um, probably the area where I really... I'm, I'm loving that right now um, because before I had it done, um, aside from the fact um, we found early stages of breast cancer again, um, second time, um, I never ever thought that I would be able to go through with having my nipples removed. And I remember speaking to my friend Amy um, who also she's a breastie of mine and I was just freaking out so much and she just said to me look if you had a mole on your skin um you would just have it chopped off and you wouldn't think about it twice because you know that there would be a risk and I can't um I can't use my nipples in um the ways that I would like to. So for breastfeeding and everything, I can't do any of that now. So my nipples are really of no practical use to me. They're just sitting there on my chest. Um, and I think it made me realize um, how, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it made me realize, you know, there's people put so much worth behind a woman because of her breasts and her nipples but having my nipples removed has made me feel so empowered and it's like you know especially on Instagram they will get rid of any Im images where you can see a woman's nipples and it's like well I don't have any now so <laughs> try to get rid of me um and you know it's just it makes me feel like I look at myself and I just think you thought you couldn't do that and you've done it. Um, so yeah, that was a very long way to tell you that I think at the moment, the scars where my nipples once were is what I love most about myself at the moment. I think that's a beautiful and it's such a, like it really emphasizes that journey of kind of like you're so, like it, this is how I'm interpreting it. Like that social norm of like, well, I have to have nipples to be a woman and then removing them can then kind of impact the way that you view your femin yes. fem femininity. Um, did you find that was like the real kind of like yeah, transitional point for you? I think so because even like I think the biggest part of this whole experience of having breast cancer for me was having my breasts removed. And as you said, like the nipples are just there, you know, once your breasts are gone, you can't do anything with your nipples anyway. They're just really for show. Um, and the technology now with getting 
3D nipple tattoos and all of that is incredible. So I was able to have all of that kind of anxiety taken out of my mind. But at the same time, as you said, the social norms of what a woman's body is meant to look like and what you're meant to have to feel attractive and to feel sexy and, um, you know, have sexuality in yourself and um, be accepted even, um, having that removed um, both literally and figuratively I think has given me a lot of power in myself Um, and also it's given me the ability to kind of say like you don't need to fit into this box that society tries to put you in as a woman um, to be attractive or beautiful or you know to have a like be sexual or you know any of those things um yeah I think it's um in some ways made me feel like more of a woman than I did before that's incredible and like that's so empowering and like I feel sometimes those like hardest challenges are the things that really give us that like strength and like new perspective absolutely I mean um the loss of my breast is still really hard and something that I really struggle with. Um, but it has given me a new perspective, as you said. I mean, um, I wrote a post a little while ago um, and it was about, you know, how I was, when I was younger, the way that my body looked um, and how I came across to men in particular Um, in my mind was always at the front of my head and I was always thinking well because I always had quite small breasts um, and then when I um, became sick with my autoimmune disease which I know we'll talk about later I put on quite a lot of weight and with that my breasts became larger and I noticed that I was like oh look at this I have big boobs like I was so excited But then I was also like, wait, that's not healthy to think that way because I felt like I was going back to my teenage self of wearing two bras to make it look like I had bigger breasts or wearing like really crazy push-up bras to give myself a lot of cleavage and thinking about the male gaze and was I attractive to men and putting a lot of my self-worth into how I looked as a woman Um, and then when you have all of that taken away um, I mean by the time I had my breasts removed the biggest thing for me was there were two things I'm not going to be able to I need to put this in perspective because I know that um, there's a lot of difference there's women in different situations when it comes to breastfeeding and things like that but I've wanted a baby for well over 10 years I feel like my purpose on this earth is to be a mother and to share my love with a child and create a child and when I knew that I was going to have my breasts taken away even here that you can breastfeed that was something that I was really looking forward to Um, even just being able to try to breastfeed and know that I've created this little person and having that connection and you know like 
I 100% agree fed is best but for me personally having that like skin on skin connection with my child was really important to me and that goes to the second part of the loss um, which was probably the the larger part of the loss of my breasts was knowing that when or if I am lucky enough to have a child I won't be able to feel them when they're put on my chest because I've lost all feeling in my chest now and the thought of carrying my child and giving birth and having them put on my chest and you know not feeling them for that first breath of their life or the first seconds of their life in the ways that I had always hoped that broke my heart um and it's interesting how my perspective of my chest and the importance of my chest had changed from the connection that I was going to feel um, with something that I had created compared to when I was younger, which was what do people think when they look at my body? Um, I didn't care about that anymore. Um, I cared about... And there's such polar opposite what feelings as well. Feel. Yeah. So um, I think, yeah, perspectives definitely, definitely changed um, when it came to, you know, the importance of my chest and things that I never thought that I would lose, like the feeling in my chest. Um, you know, you never think you would lose that. And even, um, you know... I have a lot of anxiety and I, a, a, one of the grounding methods I used to use was to put my hands on my chest and I would feel my heartbeat and I haven't been able to do that for three years because I can't feel anything. So it's like even just trying to ground myself is really difficult um, because you don't realise how important then that sensation of touch even on your own body with I never realized how much I would miss that um just being able to have that moment with myself where I could feel my heart and tell myself okay you're okay you're safe nothing is going to hurt you um to have that taken away especially when you are someone that suffers with anxiety it's a huge thing. You have a book called um, Hey Cancer, Fuck You, which is just incredible. And I think the my favourite bit and that it just sticks with me all the time is about saying goodbye to your breasts and how that was such a, like something that was suggested to you and the journey that you go on. And there's an amazing picture of you standing with like your back and your boobs out and like displaying them for the last time. I just think that's incredible. Like, do you want to share the story of saying goodbye to your breasts? Yeah. Um, so uh, we went, um, I knew I would have to have surgery. I was booked in for, I think, 5.30 in the morning um, in early December of 2019. And so we stayed up at Sydney um, close to the hospital the night before at Olympic Park Um so for anyone overseas, that's where the Olympics were held back in, I think it was 2000, um, over here in Australia. And um, 
I, we had a full view of Olympic Park from our balcony and I was so, like I was someone before that would never, ever show anyone my chest. I can't even tell you how many people have seen my chest these days. Like it's, and I'll just get my foobs out like for anyone. I'm like, (laughs) if you want to see, I'll show you. Um, But yeah, on this day, um, I said to mum, like, I want to do something special. Um, and my psychologist had actually suggested to me, you know, she said, are you going to do anything? Like, are you going to celebrate or say goodbye or, you know, and I said, well, I don't even know how I would do that. Like, how do you say goodbye to your breasts? And she said, well, why don't you go lay in the backyard with no shirt and just like feel the sun on your chest? And, um, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was ready to say goodbye until that, it, it was very, very close because I didn't want to believe that it was real, that I was going to be losing my breasts. Um, but I kind of thought like, this is my last chance. And as I said, I was, I was always very shy and I guess ashamed in a lot of ways of my body. Um, so I never, ever showed anyone my breasts. And then I was like, went from like zero to a hundred um, in a few seconds. And I said to mum, I'm just going to take my shirt off and show Olympic Park. And she got some photos for me and I had my arms stretched out and I could feel the, the sun and the winds. And I thought this is going to be the last time I feel the earth like, and the, the, beauty of the earth on my body and um I really wanted to take that moment in and I have another photo um where my sister and brother-in-law they got there soon after and they also (laughs) took their shirts off and they jumped in and we got a photo all together with our shirts off and um then you know, we had a few giggles and then later that night I had a bath and that was more of a private moment for me to say goodbye. Um, and I tried to really take a, take a photo, I think a photo memory in my mind of how it felt when I had my hands underneath my breast and um what my breasts felt like and I took you know a really close look at my nipples and um I thanked them um I thanked my breasts and I said sorry to them and um I think also it was sad because I looked at my body as something that my parents had created out of pure love and the way my body had grown and the way I had become a woman that wouldn't be possible without my parents um and I think I you know I grieved in that moment and I still grieve for them too because it's not just a loss for me um, seeing a child 
go through something like this, I can only imagine would be so painful and um, it, I think I tried to take a moment for all of us um, and just say thank you and goodbye to something that I had been on a very wild journey with for 27 years. I can only imagine how hard that would have been processing all of those emotions and taking into consideration your parents and the love that they've given you in creating you and all the incredible things that are you. You've also really done something incredible and taken that experience and you're sharing it with other people on Instagram. That's how I found you and your book and I am so constantly inspired by you and how... You know, you've taken such adversity and just shared it with the world and been so vulnerable. How's that journey been for you? Um, it's been bittersweet, I would say. It's um, given me a purpose, definitely, and I wouldn't change anything that I've done. But it does get difficult at times, um, being so vulnerable and putting a huge part of your life out there. But... I have to say, when I, I didn't tell anyone I had breast cancer until about five months after I was diagnosed. Um, and ever since I did my initial post saying that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer, I have been doing my best to advocate for breast cancer, particularly in young women. So um, I, I haven't... I haven't taken time, I think, to stop and really digest my own experience. But in saying that, I don't, I'm not the kind of person that um, is comfortable sitting around and doing nothing when I know, you know, putting out a post, one post explaining how to do a breast check or what symptoms to look out for or even saying you know young women can get breast cancer just doing things like that um I find extremely I think fulfilling and it gives it stops me from making my experience and my pain and trauma um so lonely um mm -hmm. and also it it helps me to connect it helps me to connect to other women and feel like I'm doing something good out of a really bad situation I'm I'm trying my best to um, find ways to help and to create change in what has been a really traumatic experience in my own life. Um, and if I can help one woman feel less alone through her experience, then it's worth it for me, honestly. Um, I would take all the stress and anxiety and pain and everything in the world to help one other woman going through this feel less alone. I think that's just such a testament to you as a human and how 
beautiful you are inside and out. And I am very grateful to have stumbled across you on Instagram because I like this is the first time we're actually talking face to face. But honestly, you have changed my life and the work that um, the social media posts that you created for Confetti Curves oh. on like how to do breast checks was incredible. And I'm going to continue to use it for years and years to come because it gives such digestible information to general people because everyone knows in the back of their mind you know I need to like I need to check my breasts or you know this is what I should be doing but the information to find actually how to do a, like an actual proper breast check it's actually really difficult and to know that there's different ways to yeah. do it and to find it in like you know just on your everyday scrolling Instagram is amazing and I am so truly grateful for you so thank you thank you that means a lot to me um I would love to talk more about your journey to being a mum if you're willing to share because I know that you've gone through the egg freezing process recently Yes, I have. Yeah, at the end of last year. How was that? I, like, as such, like, in such a precarious situation to kind of go through that. Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> um, I, um, so part of it was, um, in case the breast cancer does return, I will be able to go straight into treatment without needing to worry about freezing my eggs. Um, and the other part of it was I was coming up to turning 30 and um, I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome and my gynecologist thought, considering my circumstances, this, is, this was the best thing for me to do. Um, so I started the treatment in November last year and then I had the retrieval in December. Um, and it was a lot. Um, I mean, I don't regret it and I'm, I don't say this to scare any women, um, from doing it for themselves because it's, it has, it's a safety net really. And it's created a lot of calm in my mind to know that I have those eggs there when I'm ready to use them. And, um, I think, you know, taking power in your own experience, in your own life, in your own body, this was one way that I could do that. And this was one thing that cancer didn't 100% have control of. Um, I am um, in remission at the moment and I hope that the cancer doesn't come back. But when you do have cancer, you have a lot of choices taken away from you. And this was one thing that I could do for myself. I could make the decision in my own time. And um, it was something that I wanted to do. It wasn't something that I was being told to do or forced to do. And I think regardless of whether you are going through cancer or not, if you want to have children one day but you're not ready knowing that that option is there and being able to choose that option for yourself is really empowering um and being able to take control of your body as a woman um is something that I think needs to be celebrated and encouraged um 
and yeah I as as hard as it was it wasn't something that I was afraid of and it wasn't something that I thought I wasn't going to be able to get through and also at the end of the day I was doing it to um I guess you know knowing my mind that something good was going to come out of this yes it was hard to go through but one day I will hopefully be holding my sweet baby in my arms and I will be able to say this is this was worth it this is why I did it I love that it's that like future gift to yourself in a way like you've secured that kind of peace of mind that everything's going to be okay and you've got that sorted and I really because I myself have polycystic ovary syndrome and it's one of those things that like I was diagnosed at 22 and was pretty much told you won't have kids and it's like well okay this is um how do you deal with that and how do you take that control back and for me it kind of has impacted every relationship I've been in since I was you know 10 years basically and to know that those options are there and that you know it's not just kind of this well now you're diagnosed and you can't do anything about it and like you've been through so much more than just because it's really inspiring thank you and I don't think like there's so many women I know in the breast cancer community who have been told just because of their cancer treatment that they won't be able to have children and a few of them have announced their pregnancies recently and it's like don't ever 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 let someone tell you that something can't happen um something that you want can't happen because our bodies are incredible things and science is incredible these days um and i think if you have the right doctors and um, you take control of the situation that you're in and, you know, unfortunately it doesn't work out for everyone, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to work out for you and you can't give up hope on something that you want so much. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like we instantly trust like the first opinion that we get. And so many times I find that doctors are just like, oh, well, here's that offhanded comment, you know, it's this and then, you know, you're on your way with not all of the picture and no second opinion to kind of help you navigate your new reality. So I think we mentioned um, at the start of the episode about your autoimmune and how the changes in your body um, came from that. I would love if you would share that journey with us. Yep. Um, so when I was 23, 24, I, was, I just finished my diploma in early childhood education and I got my dream job and I was working full time and I was just in the best place that I had been in a very, very long time. And um, I started to get... Um, quite unwell so I was getting chest infections and laryngitis and throat infections and every frequently and um, then I started to get a lot of cold sores and um, I 
called mum one day and I also had like I was getting horrible migraines and really bad fatigue and I was at work one day setting up in the morning and I my legs started to shake and I called mum and I said my legs won't stop shaking and so after that I went home for the day and it got to the point where I was you know coming to work in the morning and an hour later I was having to go home because I was just so sick I was having tremors in my hands and my arms I was getting dizzy I had migraines um, I was tripping a lot um, and then at one point I became really really sick and we thought I had just a, a really bad flu but during that time I um, lost my ability to walk and I needed my parents on either side of me to help me get around I couldn't lift my left foot off the ground at all um, it would drag when I tried to walk and I was losing balance a lot and I was diagnosed with um, chronic fatigue syndrome originally and I was seeing some specialists up in Sydney for a, a few months probably six months and I wasn't getting better I was getting worse I was getting a lot worse um, I was getting tremors in my tongue um, my hands I couldn't grip or hold things um, my walking was getting worse I was in bed for almost all day every day sleeping and the specialists at the um, fatigue center said there's something else going on here you need to go and see someone else so I saw a neuroimmunologist up in Sydney and he referred me to an uh, neurologist my brilliant neurologist Professor Brew and he is one of the more um, forward-thinking neurologists I think we've got in Australia and if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have a diagnosis it took uh, two years and multiple doctors telling me I was making up my illness my whole family extended family um, called me a hypochondriac and believed that I was making up my illness and unfortunately we don't have any contact with them anymore um, so I lost my family um, because you know the illness that I have is so rare that no one believed that I was sick and it wasn't until I met my neurologist and he did these very um, rarely used scans and tests to find out that I have a autoimmune brain disease which only one percent of people who have a brain disease in the world have so it is rare <laughs> um there's no specific unique. treatment for it it's kind of just like a trial and error i am and it's interesting because only one percent of women in my age bracket when i 
was diagnosed with breast cancer will be diagnosed with breast cancer so this whole one percent thing is following me around everywhere um but yeah i've been on um a lot of medication um a lot of medication for five or six years now um and part of that has been high dose prednisone so that has caused uh, osteoporosis in my spine and my hips and I also have uh, type 2 diabetes which was brought on by the uh, prednisone and I'm on immunosuppressants um, and then a bunch of other things for nerve pain I've got nerve damage on the right side of my brain because the inflammation had become so bad that it damaged the nerves in my brain um, and I need to be very, very careful around anyone who's sick because so yeah, we all have, um, a blood brain barrier and it's this little flap in your brain that opens and closes, um, constantly and it will close when there's any threat or any illness or infection or anything that comes close to your brain. So it doesn't get into your brain my blood brain barrier does not work like that so it stays open a lot of the time um, which puts me at very high risk of if i get an infection or an illness or anything it can get into my brain um, so i have to be very very careful um, when i'm around anyone who's sick um, I suffer from a lot of flares and the most severe ones have, um, they kind of come across as if you would be having a stroke. So I lose the ability to talk or I slur, um, I can't move my face properly, I can't walk, I can't lift my arms, um, and it, it's really intense and scary. Um, but you know, part of that with the medication on a, um, you know, body, um, focused area has been weight gain. And mm -hmm. I have gained quite a lot of weight, um, purely from medication. Um, and it's been that in itself which this has all happened before my breast cancer um has been a big learning curve in learning to be comfortable and confident in my body because i was so used to being a size 10 for you know or smaller before that um when i was a teenager and then in my early um adult years you know i was a size 10 and i think the largest i got was a size 12 and now being a size 16 i've kind of seen um how much i feared putting on weight and being overweight or a fat woman or you know, all of the slurs and things. Once again, you can take power back when it comes to those words, but I always, always saw it as a negative thing. But now that I've put all this weight on, I honestly have never enjoyed laughing more in my life because I 
dude, the biggest belly laughs and I can feel my tummy moving when I laugh and that in itself makes me laugh and I'm just like, like, you know, people think that I've probably just let myself go. Even if I did, who cares? It's none of your business. But I think it's made me realise how little other people's opinions mean to me when it comes to my body and how shallow other people actually are um, and how much I had to learn and unlearn myself when it came to my body and things that I thought about bodies and the way that we're meant to be and what is beautiful and attractive and sexy and like I look at my curves now and I'm like yes like I love looking at my big bum and my big thighs and you know it's not like that every day but most days I'm more than happy to be in this body because um it's not I can't be angry at something yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be angry at my body for gaining weight from a medication that is saving my life um if weight gain is the worst thing that's going to happen to me then that's fine with me um I would rather be a size 16 and have other people be uncomfortable than to not have access to these medications and possibly not be here um the size of your body does not matter and the sooner we realize that that within ourselves and within society it is yeah and i've realized too like just within the dating scene i mean i'm not a big data but i would get more attention from guys when i was a size 10 compared to now and having to learn that that is their insecurity and that they're worried about what other people will think and it's got nothing to do with you i'm there's that saying that what other people think of you has absolutely nothing to do with you and I love that because it doesn't like you should not give two hoots what anyone else thinks of you when you're walking down the street because they don't know your story they don't know you 100% I went through um so I I have had fluctuating weight my entire life as well but I have four well I discovered four new stretch marks on my stomach at the start of the year and I was like oh my god like I am hideous this is like four new reasons to hate myself and I sent a message to one of my friends with a picture of it and I was like well four new reasons to hate myself and she called me out on it and she was like why on earth are you talking to yourself like that like you would never say that about one of your friends why would you say it about yourself and it really was jarring because I was like oh my god like what are you talking about? And I love those stretch marks. I see them every morning. I give them a little rub. And like, I am now like the switch has flipped and I'm like, these are incredible. Like who cares? Like it just, it's such a powerful mind shift. And like, I love hearing that you like, you know, you have that same moment of just like, who cares what anyone else thinks? Like I'm great. And I am jolly. And I like full body laugh. And those are the pure joyful moments that I think, they're just incredible yeah exactly and I think you know it's given me different perspectives as well when it comes to 
um, because I had an eating disorder when I was 19 and I my lowest weight was 49 kilos like I was sick and I think um, it's given me a whole new perspective on the way I think about food um, and what food is there for it's there to be enjoyed and it's there to nourish your body and to comfort you and to you know you have it with when you're celebrating with people that you love and you're around the table and you're talking and you're eating together and you know it's not something that is there to make your life worse and I know that that would be a triggering thing for any hearing me say that for anyone that's going through an eating disorder and I sometimes find it triggering myself because I think you know you can't help once you've been in those ways of thinking you can't help but to go back to them sometimes but then reminding yourself you've got one life and when I'm on my deathbed hopefully in many 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 years to come I'm not going to be thinking oh shit I should not have eaten that piece of chocolate cake 20 years ago or I should not have had that sausage roll for lunch that day um, I want to be thinking what difference did I make in the world who is here with me who loves me who do I love what relationships have I created um, how have I impacted the world and not how has the world tried to drag me down yes I love that that is just amazing and I think there's a TikTok trend at the moment going around about like all of the crazy sayings that like used to be said back in like the early 2000s and the 90s and one of them is nothing tastes as good as skinny feels and my growing up my mum uh. had a fridge magnet with that and it literally every day you come home from school and it, we, we it was the only fridge magnet we had and my mum has for my entire life struggled with her weight and that has then of course been pushed down onto my sister and I's perception mm. but I think we're coming into such an empowering stage of society where we're now calling out that bullshit and being like yeah Fuck that like sorry <laughs> like no 100% I eat six cookies for dinner yeah <laughs> like it's about exactly. enjoying the moments and enjoying the kind of like time with people like how many amazing memories do you like are created around a dinner table or in a restaurant? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you, the, yeah, the toxic culture of like, Oh, well now I have to justify this food or I need to restrict myself. That's, that's not what life should be about in my opinion. No. And I mean, I would not have gotten through the last three years without chocolate. So thank whoever, whatever goddess is up there for chocolate because <laughs> it has like been a lifesaver for me Definitely. and there's just such pure joy to it as well like the yeah. happiness that can come from a food is unmatched to me mm. <laughs> yeah no definitely I mean I like you know when I'm going out for dinner with my family or something like that um they'll be like oh have you had a look at the menu do you know and I'm like I looked at the menu like three days ago before we came here. I know what I'm having for my entree, for my main, for dessert, and I might even get a little bit of a snack to take home. Like, <laughs> I have this shit planned out. 
I love it. I have a friend who refuses to eat dessert. And she's like, oh, we'll go out. And I'm like, oh, we're getting dessert. And she's like, no, I don't really feel like it. And I was like, oh, that's fine. But I am still going to get dessert. Like, you can sit here all day. Yeah, exactly. If you like, but. You don't, yeah, you don't have to feel ashamed for, you know, just because someone else is saying no, you don't have to say no. If you want dessert, you get dessert because that's what your body is telling you to do. Um, It's like if you, um, you know, if you want a donut when you're out and that little niggly voice in your head is saying, but you don't need a donut. And it's like, well, shut up. I want a donut. I'm going to go and get a donut and I'm going to enjoy it. So I think, you know, telling that voice to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And not doing what, you know, other people are doing. Um, If they say no to dessert, that's their prerogative. But it doesn't mean that you need to be shamed into not eating exactly what you want off the menu. I have been working with um, a lady called Amy Jaskari and she does a fuck yes life. And one of her like big philosophies is Mm -hmm. adding fun into every single day. And one of the things that I have been doing one day a week, generally a Tuesday, I make cookies and that's my dinner. I have cookie dough while like it's cooking in the oven and then I have cookies for dinner. And it is one of my favourite days of the week because I love the baking process. I love eating the cookies and that's my dinner. And one of my friends is like, "Um, you still need vegetables. And I was like, whatever. I take a supplement. It's good to go. Like this brings me joy (laughs) and I have no... Exactly. Life's more important. Like... If this is something yeah, that's going to make me so happy, there's six other days for vegetables. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I want to say a massive thank you for like coming and being the first guest on this podcast. And I would love if you would give a shout out to where people can find your incredible book, "Hey Cancer, Fuck You," because I think everyone should read it. And where we can find you online, and anything else that you would love to share with us. Thank you. Um, so I am at Breasties for Life on Instagram and I'm currently selling my book through my beautiful friend, Nicole, who is also a breastie and she has a business called Sisu Lane. Um, I hope I said that right, but um, she can be There'll found be the show on notes. my Instagram page. Yeah, so she is selling the book from her business at the moment. Um, I think she's got it at $30 and free postage and it's full of information, personal stories, my story. It's got a diary in there, um, little affirmations. It's got the whole works and it's easy to read and it's not just for people going through breast cancer either. It's for anyone who is a family member um, a friend, uh, support, um, or just if you want to learn more about breast cancer and what to say and what not to say or how to support someone or, you know, the terms and everything, it's not – I don't like books where I can't comprehend what the words are and I don't understand it and it's very easy to read and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that – um, I can sell as many copies as possible because all of the funds that are 
raised from the sales of the book. Um, they're used to create care packs for women going through breast cancer. So neither Nicole or myself are profiting at all from the sale of the book. It's all going to helping women that are going through breast cancer and just bringing a little bit of joy and support into their lives. And I can wholeheartedly attest it is an incredible book and there are moments where you want to cry but you also have just like smile because of just yeah it's an emotional read but it is so just yeah it brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it but it is something that I think that everyone should read because there is like so many great tips in there and it's just yeah I can't say enough about it it's so good um so thank, thank you, you <laughs> and you're doing such amazing things with the proceeds as well so that's amazing thank you yeah it was important to me to um make sure that I give back uh with the book so yeah we're we're really trying hard to create these care packs and um bring a little bit of joy out into people's lives um and help them know that there's women and a whole community behind them because at the start you don't realize that um but some of my closest friends are in the breast cancer community and there are women that are waiting for you to hold your hand through this whole experience and I can promise you that from the bottom of my heart and you're at breasties for life on yes. instagram yes that's right and uh, it's such a good instagram to follow there's so many little like joyous things so thank you so much and i um can't thank i'll you. have you back anytime you want to come uh because there, i know there I are so many to. more things that we can talk about <laughs> definitely yes i've got a whole treasure chest of things that i'm <laughs> very excited to talk to you about at some point <laughs> yes well we definitely have you back so thank you if you just had as much fun as we did, come follow us on Instagram at Confetti Curves, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.